to Hollywood. New colours for him as they start to break up a little bit in the parade. I think we can maybe go and hear from uh, Sheikh Hissa, uh, who was speaking. Broadcasting live from the Capital OTB Studios, this is Racing Across America with Seth Merrow. Good morning and welcome to Racing Across America on this Sunday morning. Sunday morning, uh, this Sunday morning, actually, racing around the globe. As you can see down there in the uh, lower right, uh, we have a little Arc de Triomphe, but I'm just Pulling up our odds here as we get going. Um, nice full field. Uh, one of the premier Group 1 events in the world. Um, and our current favorite is the, uh, the number 13 Ace Impact undefeated 5 for 5. Um, nice field in here. Uh, free win, the number 10. 10, we're getting 22 to 1. There are a few horses in here that, that I found intriguing, and we're going to get to the race and show that, and we have the remainder of the card, which has some good stakes action uh, as well coming up. Uh, and you'll catch it all, and you can play it via Capital OTV Bet. Uh, after the race, though, we'll come back. We'll do a little recap of some of the stakes action from uh, yesterday. We'll be joined later on by Tony Kalo from the Finger Lakes. We'll... Uh, catch up on the two stakes they ran last Monday at the Finger Lakes. We'll get some ideas for tomorrow, and we're headed out to the Finger Lakes. We will be live from the Finger Lakes uh, with OTB Live on the road uh, on Wednesday afternoon, so that should be fun. But getting back to the arc, uh, again, I thought the 10 was a little bit interesting for uh, John Gosden, Frankie DeTore on board, and again, on his retirement tour, as it were, so his last arc. Ace Impact, as noted, the uh, current favorite at 8-5, undefeated. Um, so you can certainly make the case there. Horse coming out of a, a win here at Longchamp uh, back on September 10th. Pla de Carousel, uh, the number 8. What are we getting there? We're getting 20 to 1. There are some interesting prices. I thought the 8 was interesting. I thought the 10 was interesting. Certainly the favorite, uh, number 13. Uh, being undefeated, another horse coming out of a win at Longchamp. Fantastic Moon, the 14 at 10 to 1. Uh, some of the other single-digit prices on here, the 6 and the 7. 6 Westover comes in off a near-miss at Ascot in July. Um, so I get that, and it was a near-miss behind the number 7. Who come? Uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, that one was a winner at Ascot in July. So the six and the seven, eight to one and seven to one. Uh, the lone single digit prices other than the eight to five favorite, number 13, Ace Impact. Um, I, with the prices, I would probably do a little buck exact the box in here. 
maybe use the six and the seven with my aforementioned um, eight, 10, and 13. See if I can get the eight and the 10 in there. Uh, the 15 continuous, um, also a, an interesting runner. We're getting 15 to one on continuous with Ryan Moore and Aiden O'Brien. So maybe one, two, three, it'd be a six horse box. Um, and, and again, normally wouldn't dip in that deep, but getting some crazy odds here in a 15 horse field, the exact may be okay. Six, seven, eight, 10, and 13, eight, 10, 13, and 15. So six, seven, eight, 10, 13, and 15 for me. And just taking a little flyer box to get a little rooting interest in here. The Arc from Longchamp in France. They're behind the gate. They're going to load in. So we'll send it there when we come back. We will shift our attention to yesterday here on this side of the Atlantic and do some stakes recaps. All of that coming up. Stay tuned. But right now, live in France, the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, that Saki won't finish fifth. That's the closest any of his ledger winners have actually managed in the race. So I guess that is, I mean, whether it's just a complete coincidence or what, but obviously the ledger does take a fair bit out of a horse by going a slightly longer trip. And this year, again, we saw it with Darnation. It's only two weeks between exactly. two meetings. So yeah. it might be, be ironic if this was the one when he yeah. did actually make the breakthrough when there's even, even less time mm. between the two. But I guess that is the question mark with him but in terms of his form profile it's gradually up and up and up isn't it and he was he was pretty impressive in that in that ledger steadily run coped mm. very well with that but steadily run but also had the speed to put the seal on the race and the strong stayer to uh, see it out at the uh, at the finish so he's he's talented and going the right way it's just that quick quick backup isn't it fantastic moon is a very versatile horse he can get back as he did in the uh, german derby but he can also sit on the pace he's got the conditions today to be able to win um, and as they load up the other horse, of course, uh, through Seven Seas, can the Japanese get there this year, Catherine? Well, it's a fascinating contender, isn't she? She's a five-year-old now. She has that uh, second place behind the best horse in the world, behind Equinox. I spoke to Connections, and they said that uh, they had real trouble getting her to eat as a three- and a four-year-old, which is why uh, she hadn't lived up to what they'd hoped she could show. Um, but, um, you know, she's not yet a Group 1 winner. It would be a surprise if she could win, but uh, we've been surprised before in the arc, and we saw those shots there of Frankie Dettori he's already in there on free wind five-year-old mare Alpinista was the first five-year-old mare last year to win she's bidding to follow in her footsteps looks as though she's going to have a work cut out but never rule out to Frankie Dettori as they continue to load just a couple of them left to go in and the Japanese connection, of course, with Continuous as well, who is a son of Heart's Cry. We've talked mm -hmm. a lot about Auguste Rodin throughout the se season, son of Deep Impact. This one, son of another late Japanese sire. Just a couple more to go in. Here is Ian Bartlett. Thanks, Catherine. Continuous about to take his position. And Sis Fahan then looks as if he'll be the next in. Hukum is waiting out the back of the stalls. The King George winner. And Sim Camille has won three of his four races this season there we are taking a little bit of a turn he's about a 16 to 1 chance or so to go forward and Hukum around about 7 to 1 still to take his position as well and it, there he is a six-year-old trained in the UK by Owen Burrows Jim Crowley on board goes forward to take his place and then Sim Camille two shades of blue going to be the final one of them in for then for the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Fascinating race this year, all in the stalls, 2,400 metres away they go. 
uh, get away to a fairly decent break. Free Wind is ridden away from the starting stores and is one of the back markers as they begin to settle down. And early on, Sim Camille, Place de Carousel, Bay Bridge, Mr. Hollywood and Who Come to Westover. Free Wind and Hayazark and Fantastic Moon and Continuous through Seven Seas. Ace Impact, two behind him, Ernesto and Sisfahan, who are the last couple of runners. They begin to settle down, then Richard Kingscote on Bay Bridge. He's a bit keen against the running rail. The Maroon and White and Mr. Hollywood alongside. Dark blue colours as Sim Camille is behind these. And then comes uh, Feed the Flame. Dark green jacket, pink cap can be slowly away. Banging contention early on this year. Westover, a pink cap against the running rail. Who can making progress towards the outside? Blue and white stripes on the cap. Plaster Carousel and the silver jacket is next. Free win. She's trapped away against the rails in white colours. Hayazark in yellow is next. And then the royal blue of Fantastic Moon. Continuous, the pink colours is next. Ace Impact be about two from the right of the picture. Black sleeves, orange jacket, through seven seas. She's alongside him. Ernesto in white and Sisfahan in pink and green. The last couple of runners is now Mr. Hollywood. Has taken the lead in the art. They've just got past the halfway stage. Hookham and Baybridge together, second and third. Length and a half behind these to Westover against the rail on the inside of Sim Camille. Plastic out of cell wide. I'll feed the flame and free wind behind those. Fantastic Moon is next, being followed by Hayazak. In fact, she just precedes him. Uh, then comes Ace Impact and Continuous and through seven seas. They're well on their way to the home turn now. Lots of them going well. Ernesto is next and then comes Sis Fahan. But it's still Mr. Hollywood who's on the way to the home Home turn in the arc leading by three parts of a length to who can poised in second place. Baybridge is behind these. Westover comes next. Ace Impact still only two or three from the back of the field as they enter the closing stages now. Coming through Plaster Carousel, Fantastic Moon. Ace Impact launched up on the outside. It's who come and Westover again. The Ascot rivals together to Sim Camille. Ace Impact coming strongly down the centre of the course and also following him through as Ernesto into the closing stages. It is Ace Impact in front, and Ace Impact has won the arc, remains unbeaten to Westover and Esto through seven seas continuous. Baybridge and Sisfahan, who can feed the flame, Sim Camille, Fantastic Moon, to Plastic Carousel, Free Wind, Hayazark, and Mr. Hollywood is the back marker. The favourite has done it, he remains unbeaten. Ace Impact number 13, Christian Demero, a winner by a couple of lengths, and boy, did he pass some horses. Westover is in second. And Ernesto, a massive run there. Japan is fourth with through seven seas. Continuous is next, and there's a whole bunch of them then for minor places behind that. But a big cheer from the local crowd. Their three-year-old Pre-Jockey Club, the French Derby winner, Ace Impact, the first try at the trip, and he stayed it. And Catherine, he stayed it very well. He really did. What a champion, Ace Impact. Six out of six. What a performance he just went round to Christopher. Christian Demuro will be once again feeling like he is flying. And there's Jean-Claude Rouget, often a bit emotional, <laughs> doing the victory dance. I don't know if you could call it that. <laughs> Jean-Claude Rouget, often a little understated before a win, before a race, but... Uh, he believed in this ace impact throughout. He's plotted a route for this Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. 
First time at Longchamp, first time over a mile and a half, and he has scored in fantastic style. Second was Westover, number six, and third was number three, Onesto. And uh, Fanny is uh, down with the winning connections, I believe. Jean-Bernard, the, the assistant in the shadow, congratulating the whole team. We saw Jean-Bernard Roth running to congratulate the team. What? En français. Mais on vous a vu, la première chose, c'était les... Ouais, ouais. Oh, je, vous pouvez pas, vous, vous pouvez pas savoir ce qu'il y a autour de tout ça. N'oublions pas qu'autour des chevaux, il y a les hommes. Et les hommes, les hommes sont là, ils ont toujours été là. On sait d'où on vient avec Jean-Claude. On sait ce qu'on a traversé pendant toutes ces décennies. Et être là aujourd'hui, et c'est même pas de là, ça relève de l'extraordinaire, je vous le dis. Mais de, comme quoi, le travail, le travail, le travail, le travail et la passion. Et des hommes autour de nous, des hommes. You have no idea of what it means to be here today. We often forget to mention, to, uh, to give enough credit to the men and the women behind the scenes who make it happen. And we've been, we've been going through the motions with Jean-Claude Rouget for decades now. And to arrive here, it, it's hard to put in words, but there's one word that Jean-Bernard kept saying. It's work, work, work. And that's what us here today. Um, to Christian Dumeau, it's incredible. To win the art the first time was amazing, but this is just a... Betting public nails it, and the, uh, the favorite uh, gets it done. Ace Impact, 13-6-3 and 9. Uh, the, the betting public pretty much got it right... Uh, with the first couple, uh, Westover was the close-up third choice. Um, so top pick over the third choice uh, for the betting public. But Ace Impact stays undefeated, 6-4-6. Six, six. Uh, Three-year-old getting it done in uh, the arc um, to, as I say, stay undefeated. Impressive uh, performance there. Uh, we'll see if that one, what that one does next. Uh, you know, sometimes arc weekend has Breeders' Cup implications, sometimes not. This. And oftentimes, the Breeders' Cup from Arc Weekend becomes an afterthought because I think some of these races over there for these connections, this is the goal. And then you do well and you think, well, maybe we'll go to the Breeders' Cup. And so you have to take that into account if they do show up. Uh, next up, the Prix de l'Opera. That's also a nice group one annually. Um, so that'll be coming up in, what, about uh, 40 minutes or so, four, 35 minutes, uh, 10.50-ish there. Um, do want to alert you also, just so you are aware for the afternoon. Uh, you know, it's Arc Day internationally, but also internationally. It is Breeders' uh, Day up in Canada, Woodbine, third leg of their Triple Crown. So I did want to alert you to that because it's another, the, the Triple Crown series up there this year was just phenomenal as far as uh, betting and betting interests. And uh, the breeders today at Woodbine, no exception. 18 entered, uh, four are on the AE list. <coughs> so it's a field of 14 scheduled. And it does include um, the winner of the, uh, the Queen's Plate and the winner of um, the, the Prince of Wales. And I'm just looking at our PPs here. Um, second place finisher also in the Prince of Wales. Second place finisher uh, in the King's Plate. Did I say Queen's Plate or King's Plate? Um, so 
should be fun uh, today. Uh, Paramount Prince, the Marcassi runner that won the King's Plate and ran well at Fort Erie in the Prince of Wales. Just uh, early fractions, 45, 110. Um, the other horses who were up attending faded back. He held on to be third. Um, but the interesting thing here also is this is the third different surface. Their triple crown, very unique. Synthetic, then dirt, then turf. So today is turf and Paramount Prince, the King's Plate winner. Um, tried dirt for the first time last time at Fort Erie. And as they say, ran the nice third. Tries the turf for the first time today for uh, Mark Cassie. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. That's scheduled to go off at about quarter of six this evening, our time, uh, up at Woodbine, the Breeders, third leg of their Triple Crown. All right, let's get into uh, some of the action from yesterday. And again, a little bit later on, Tony Kahlo. Uh, we'll probably get him towards the bottom of the hour and, and uh, talk a little Finger Lakes. And then, as they say, about 10.50, we'll have the Prix de l'Opera coming from uh, Longchamp. But coming from Churchill yesterday, nice stakes day down at Churchill. Um, we'll kick things off and kind of go in chronological order. The Jefferson Cup yesterday. Talk about a lot. That subdivision I like of uh, three-year-olds on the turf. And I went with more than looks from Cherie DeVoe who had won the Manila uh, back in July at Belmont and then ran third in the Hall of Fame at Saratoga, but did it behind Carl Spackler. And I said, you know, there's no trophy handed out, particularly for this division, three-year-olds on the turf, but Carl Spackler might be at the head of the, you know, imaginary division, uh, as it were. So the third uh, behind that one looked okay. Uh, this was only the seventh career start for more than looks yesterday. But now I'm thinking more than looks is flirting with the, the top of the, uh, the standings in that subdivision. Uh, more than looks makes a great late run here. More than first after having been at the back of the pack for much of the race that was a crazy good stretch run for more than looks so Cherie DeVoe and company with a very nice uh, turf around their hands now on the three-year-old scene had already won the grade three Manila and then uh, wins the Jefferson Cup uh, yesterday as well and as I say ran third behind Carl Spackler who I, I would think you know tops the the division as it were um, at this point but more than looks steps steps into the conversation if you're trying to sort out and as I say there's no trophy at the end of the year but if you're trying to sort out three-year-old turfers that was a pretty good looking performance yesterday from more than looks in the Jefferson Cup uh, we move on now to the ACK ACK um, the one turn mile grade three event and in the ACAC, Zozos was favored. I had Zozos in the second spot. I put three technique on top coming off the win in the Nehru uh, back in early July. Uh, in the third spot for me was Stage Raider. They were all in the hunt. Betting public was right, though. At three to five, they made Zozos the favorite. Zozos is the number five horse.
$3.54. The Brad Cox trainee uh, gets it done as the logical choice in there going the mile down at Churchill. Cherie DeVoe trained uh, stage raider, so nice afternoon for her with a horse that had made a stakes debut stage raider in career start number 10 last time and won a little stake over at Ellis Park and now a nice uh, second place finish in a grade three so stage raider interesting as well but Zozos uh, career win number seven in career start number 11. Brad Cox after the race he was interviewed after the race and said um, we man, we wanted a graded stakes win for this horse. He deserved one. He got it yesterday in the Grade Three ACAC. But he also said he's probably a better one-turn horse. And the Breeders' Cup situation would be two turns. He said, as far as going to the Breeders' Cup, they'll look and they'll try to get a feel for who might be going there, what the pace scenario might be, because again, he thought Zozos maybe a little bit better at one turn than two turns. So he wasn't totally convinced on uh, heading to the Breeders' Cup, but that was a pretty nice performance yesterday in the, uh, the ACK Act. Uh, Churchill yesterday also, it was the uh, Lucas Classic. Um, I like Rattle and Roll with some trepidation because, boy, he tossed in a clunker in the jockey club up at Saratoga, but I was going back to the blame the nice win he had back in June at Churchill. So returns to Churchill. He'd won the blame. He'd run a close-up second in the Stephen Foster. That was in the midst of a string of triple-digit buyers. And then, as I say, disappointed in the uh, jockey club. So I was expecting a rebound. Did not get it yesterday with rattle and roll, unfortunately. Um, Clapton was a horse I looked at. He was fourth in the jockey club. Rattle and roll was sixth. But uh, Clapton We're taking a look at, and if you get a little bit of a price, they can surprise sometimes. So Trademark ran well, and I expected uh, an interesting performance and did, just could not hold off Clapton late. Clapton gets the chart margin of a head. Uh, Clapton trained by uh, Chad Summers. Um, they interviewed Chad in the uh, paddock after the winter circle slash paddock area afterwards. And... Um, there was also an interesting follow-up article in the, the racing forum that noted that Chad had not had a graded stakes win since Mind Your Biscuits won this race a few years ago. So hadn't had a stakes victory since winning the Lucas Classic, comes back and wins the Lucas Classic. But after the race, they were talking to Chad, and, you know, obviously the thought coming out of a race like this, do you go to the Breeders' Cup? And he kind of made it sound like, well, think about that. But this was a private purchase going back a few starts and a private purchase by some Saudi Arabian connections. Um, and so Chad said, you know, we're likely looking towards the Saudi Cup 
for this one. So will the Breeders' Cup be on the agenda? Wasn't quite sure. So we'll see how that uh, shakes out as far as coming out of this and what uh, goes next for uh, Clapton. But again, nice performance yesterday. Uh, again, Chad uh, Summers getting into uh, the graded winner's circle uh, again down at Churchill. Um, first since uh, the, the very talented Mind Your Biscuits. All right, let's go and uh, take a look at a couple of the nice steaks from uh, Laurel yesterday. Um, I'll take a look at the two two-year-old steaks. Those are the, the there was four nice steaks, um, but the two two-year-old steaks are the one that ones that I think will play into the future more definitely. And clearly, uh, the winner of the Salima will be one that we'll see from and hear from with those connections. Uh, we saw this one. The winner, and I, I like this horse yesterday, and I liked this horse last time. Not, I did not use the horse in the debut uh, up at Saratoga at six to one. Won that debut up at Saratoga, and I'm talking about Brock Nardini. Won up at Saratoga, and off of that, I thought the horse was interesting a couple of weeks ago in the Natalma uh, up at Woodbine, and was disappointing up there, running 13th in the field of 13. But that was one where you had to go back and watch the, the replay. And the trouble line on the past performances, hop start, that was not so much. But then there was also the note that the horse was bumped at the eighth pole. The, the horse got crushed at the eighth pole. I don't think the horse was going to contend on the win end either way. But it played into the last place finish, definitely. The horse would have done better than that. So I jumped back on board Brock Nardini yesterday. George Weaver trainee, coming back fairly quickly off the, you know, the disappointment in the Natalma. That attracted my attention as well. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the 2-1 to one on the morning line. I was hoping we would go up. We did. We went to 7-2, to two, which was a little more palatable. And Brock Nardini paid off uh, $9.40. You'll see Brock. Nine horse that ran fourth for Chad Brown, Michael Dubb and company. I think the connections played into a lot of that favoritism for that one coming off a second place finish up at Saratoga. So that horse was still a maiden. This was only the second career start for the Chad Brown runner. So I was a little surprised to see that one go off uh, favored. Not surprised to see a shortest price. I mean, it was three to one on the morning line. With those connections you're going to get uh, played, just a little surprised to see that one the favorite. But as I say, um, I had the morning line favor with Brock Nardini, and I was happy to see things switch around for the $9.40 win, which was a good-looking win. And again, I think George Weaver now a uh, nice two-year-old on the turf, and we'll have a nice three-year-old going forward. Three-year-old Philly. This is on the Philly side of things yesterday in the Salima. On the boys' side of things, it was the Laurel Futurity. Um, and in the Laurel Futurity, ah. I like the number 12, Dancing Mischief. Again, it was George Weaver uh, coming in off a nice try and an off-the-turfer up at Saratoga, but the turf race before was okay. I said, though, it might be up a little bit against it uh, with the outside post position. And I think, you know, kind of got up in the thick of things early and maybe just had to work a little too hard early, faded late. So the 12 really did not do much of anything.
third. Those were both at five and a half. I like this angle, a couple of sprints and stretching out in the third start. That's also works if the, you're coming back from a little bit of a layoff, a couple of sprints and then a stretch out. Love the angle and uh, Air Recruit got it done yesterday in fine fashion again on the boys' side. So we'll see uh, uh, how that one plays out moving next year into that division I like the three-year-olds on the turf, but certainly looks good so far on the two-year-old side of things. Air Recruit getting it done uh, yesterday. Also at uh, Laurel, Interstate Daydream, who looked to outclass the field in the Twix, got it done and got it done pretty easily at 30 cents to the dollar. And in the Japan Turf Cup at uh, a mile and a half, uh, Yamato got it done for uh, Mike Maker and got it done pretty easily uh, as well. Eons, the uh, seven-year-old, I believe, uh, got up for second and Bear Oak uh, also looked to be a player and uh, wound up third. So the logicals were right there in the mix in the uh, Japan Turf Cup down at Laurel. So nice day down at Laurel yesterday. Again, with some stakes that we hit on with Dave Rodman yesterday. Um, we'll uh, take a look at some of that Santa Anita action. Had Howard Kravitz on yesterday, and if you looked at his, we put up uh, his pick five play from his HHH Racing podcast, and if you, you Glommed on to that one. You wound up uh, getting the, the pick five payoff yesterday at uh, Santa Anita. So congratulations to Howard and anybody who might have used his ticket. But if we get a chance a little bit later on, we'll take a look at some of that Santa Anita action as well. But with the uh, pre de l'Opera coming up at 10.50, we'll take a break. We'll reach out to Tony Kalo, and we'll use this time to talk a little uh, Finger Lakes from last week with the two stakes and some Finger Lakes coming up uh, going forward as well tomorrow. And uh, we'll be out there Wednesday live with an on-the-road OTB Live. So all of that right after this. Stay tuned. No matter where in the world you are, the excitement of wagering on horse racing is just a click away. You'll get live streaming, past performances, race replays, our virtual tote board, analysis and selections from professional handicappers, a simple, safe, and secure wagering platform, and best of all, you get track prices. CapitalOTBBet.com. Bet any place, anytime at CapitalOTBBet.com. And be sure to download our new mobile app from the iTunes Store or Google Play. Capital OTB is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now.
Welcome back to Racing Across America. And uh, again, yesterday we had a little trouble with the phone. Uh, that Our guests, uh, I hear them fine. They're having trouble hearing me. So if uh, Tony asks for a repeat, that's why it's on our end somehow. Uh, the phone's a little funky. But uh, we are joined now by our friend Tony Kalo. We'll talk a little bit last week because a couple of nice stakes on Monday last week. We'll get a little preview for tomorrow as well. Tony, good morning. Hey, Seth. How's it going, buddy? Very good. Happy to have you on board. And um, I didn't mention it during the commercial break, but I mentioned it to the folks uh, here at the top of the show. We're looking forward to our afternoon program, OTB Live, on the road on Wednesday. We will be live from the Finger Lakes. Carve out a little time. We want you to sit in with us for a few minutes. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys out out, out here. Should be should be some real good weather, too, from the uh, forecast. Yeah, that was we were in the studio talking uh, yesterday and saying, "Oh, this is working out great." Because uh, a couple of nights ago, the guy in the uh, the local weather was saying, "Oh, next week's going to be beautiful, sunny," and then I'm like, "Oh, that's going to work out perfect for the trip." So we're looking forward to it. Uh, let's go back and take a look at uh, some of that action we talked about last week. Because last week you had the two nice uh, stakes races on the card. The aspirant. We'll take a look at that one first. Can I get a loan? Kendra Carmouche. Out for the ride, Jeremiah Engelhart, trainee, gets it done at 3-1, to one. trust fund second. Tall Paul, the Bob Baffert, first-time-ever starter at the Finger Lakes, winds up third in here. But can I get a loan? Look pretty good. Uh, nice little two-year-old in the uh, Jeremiah Engelhart barn. Yeah, it was a heck of a horse race, that's for sure. I, I would have to um, somewhat assume, we don't want to make too many assumptions, but Hopefully we can get all three of them back because uh, all three were very valued. Even the fourth place horse ran very well in defeat. So turned out to be a great race. And you kind of gave it to us, uh, Seth. You told us Kendrick had been riding a uh, lights yeah. out. And what a heck of a ride he gave that horse. Yeah, and it was a ding-dong battle. As we just saw, we watched the stretch run head, head, and a length uh, amongst the first four finishers. Um, but it's nice to have a nice little two-year-old uh and can I get a loan to certainly prove that, uh, you know, look it up at Saratoga and continue at the Finger Lakes. A little bit later on in the card, the girls in the Lady Finger. And another horse we talked a little bit about last week, uh, the betting public was on board. Solo shot at even money gets it done. Manny Franco on board for George Weaver. George Weaver on the trainer side of things having a very good year. Uh, red wine and whiskey second. And uh, Unicorn Cake runs third. But again, as the favorite, Solo Shot gets it done in the lady finger. Yeah, Solo Shot was a was a good looking winner of the lady finger. Obviously, got a huge uh, pace advantage when a couple of her main pace nemesis was scratched early in the in the morning, and and Jeremiah's Billy really didn't break that well, and race was pretty much over before it before it even had a chance. But we're not going to take anything away from the winner. She did what she was supposed to do, and she did it very stylishly. And again, that's always fun to have those uh, weekday stakes races. And so last Monday, a lot of fun out there. And, and when you're on the two-year-old side of things, fun also because they're horses we can look forward to in the future. So uh, going to be rooting for those. Let's uh, get some horses to root for tomorrow uh, on the Monday card at the Finger Lakes. We're going to start things out looking at race number six. It's an allowance, non-winners at two five and a half furlongs interesting little field in here what did you see in race six well you know the last three tomorrow are really really nice races so um you know, race six is pretty competitive I, I would have to assume a lot of money is going to go on the michael dub michael maker trainee tommy gunn 
You know, anytime a horse can be forwardly positioned the way he has been in, in races at Belmont and Saratoga, when they venture here to Finger Lakes, they, they catch everybody's attention. You know, maybe uh, maybe we can get some other horses to try to go with them. Coney Road maybe could try to show a little bit of pace from the rail. He, he was able to go 22-2 and two in his his debut run. Under the Knife, I think, is a horse that wants to be forwardly positioned. I, I know his most recent race, he graduated with only a 23-second opening quarter, but if you do look uh, three, three races ago at Saratoga, he's right off there of a 22-2 and two going five and a half, so... You know, I've, I've been fond of busting credit all season long. I picked him in his debut run, and he didn't get away that well, but closed pretty nicely. I loved him in start two, and he did everything but get to the winner's circle for me. Obviously, just my luck, the uh, the curse of Kalo. He gets there at three to five. That does me no good. <laughs> and, and now I've been on him for uh, three consecutive starts, and he, he's kind of regressed. But I remember talking to uh, Paul Barrow earlier in the season. In fact, it was... Uh, was back on the 10th of July. My buddy Billy Morey from uh, my old stomping grounds was in town running some horses at Finger Lakes and got to catch up with him. And, and Paul Barrow was hanging out with us. And I go, hey, Paul, I really like your busting credit. And he's like, Tony's got a, a lot of ability, but he's just still green. And having a, having a, having a little bit more uh, longer time trying to put it all together. Well, I'm hoping he's going to put it all together tomorrow. I'm a little concerned with his inside post if, if they're going to try to send it, but maybe if the rail goes, like I said, Tommy Gunn goes, we, we get speed with under the knife. Maybe we can get busting credit to fall into a nice stocking trip and, and come with a run. I will say this on the 4th of September, it looked um, like he was getting a little bit more professional, and that will be that would be the first time he had the blinkers on. And something I like to look for when horses make positive uh, moves with an equipment change, we get that with him. I do like the spacing. I think he has much better spacing this afternoon than his most recent start. He was kind of coming back a little quick on 14 days. Not my cup of tea. I prefer uh, close to a month off, and, and we're going to get that. So we'll try busting credit. Uh, Pop Coyer is a horse that makes a lot of sense. He's He's been running up against buzzsaws all season long, and he's been coming with good runs. This horse has a, a good vinyl furlong in him, and he could be the other horse. But um, wouldn't be surprised even if Tommy Gunn you know, goes all the way, but going to go stick with my busting credit. I thought it was a very, very competitive race to start our late pick three. Yeah. You know, you talk about uh, being on a horse and then getting the short price that I learned that lesson when I first got into the game, I, I used to go up to the harness track uh, a lot and that be up there all summer long in the evening. And, and there was a horse up. I remember the whole scenario and this is decades ago, but there was a horse called King Prom. And I was on King Prom, and he'd run second, and he'd run third. And sure enough, yeah, uh, by the end of the summer, he got his win at, yeah, like six to five. Thanks. Thanks, King Prom. <laughs> you're, kill, you're, you're killing me there, King. But, but I learned the lesson. You, at some point, you have to get divorced from some of those, particularly uh, before the short price hits you square between the eyes and doesn't help a thing. I will note, speaking of that, um, you, had, uh, you touted a winner uh, last week. But you got the short price on the scratch. You were taking a little shot against Jack and uh, Bernie. Jack and Bernie scratches, but the horse you like won. But with the scratch, you got the short price. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it seems to work. Um, I, I've had not one of my better seasons with my top selection. Had, had a good day Tuesday. I wish you guys would have had me on Tuesday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it just seems to be the case. Uh, you know, that horse, uh, Trillada, I – 
I knew he was going to run a good one, and I don't know if he would have beat Jack and Bernie because he's still he's still green himself. Uh, this Trelad, I don't know if you remember watching the race, but he ducked in pretty bad, lugged in pretty bad would be a better way of saying it. Uh, right around the three sixteenth, and I was like, wow, he, he's in a little trouble today. And then once uh, Anthony Salgado straightened him out, he he came with his big run. But you know they they were betting they were betting the uh, the New York course. I, I can't think of his name, Golden Arm or something yeah. of that nature. It's kind of getting away from me right now. What his name was, but they were they were betting that horse pretty pretty intensely early on. And I happened to text one of my buddies in California, and I go, "If, if you can get anywhere near two to one on Trelad, bet all you want." And uh, of course, he goes off at three to four. Well, maybe that was your friend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. Golden Arm, you had it. Irad was on board because it was last Monday with the stakes races, so he was out there. I'm sure that, that was a lot of Irad attention and went off his uh, close-up second trick. But that was a good call on Trelad. It was just you took the took the worst of it with the scratch. All right, uh, let's take a look. And you know, Seth, I had I, I had hit, I, I took a sneak peek at the Will Pays, and I thought Trelad was the lower one, so I kind of had a feeling he was going to go off as the definitive favorite. Yeah. Yeah, again, it, it, with the scratch, it, it became a little more logical. Uh, speaking of uh, weekday stakes races, the Jack better be right. Uh, the seventh tomorrow, state breads vying for uh, $50,000. Nice full field of 10 in here. What did you see in the seventh tomorrow? You know, this is a cool little race. This one kind of snuck up on me. I was going through the entries, and at first I just thought it was another typical Finger Lakes uh, good allowance race. And then when I saw Vente valentine in the race i was like uh huh this might be the jack better be right and indeed it is uh, obviously Benty valentine brings all the proper credentials good enough to win a hundred twenty five thousand dollar race at at zaratoga she has a tremendous bankroll a great career nine for 13 um makes her own trip every race she can go to the lead she can stalk um three to one seems awfully um yeah Seems a little bit deceiving. Uh, uh, it's funny. I had to I had to fill in for Dave Matthias a couple weeks ago, and I I, I was kidding around because I love my morning line maker. He's a great guy and get along with him great. But I'm like, thanks a lot, Carl. You learned me in with your morning line on this one. You're, you're giving me three to one, and I know he's not going to be anywhere near the price. But obviously, Benty Valentine, the horse to beat, gone and forgotten, has been our, our top mare in the last two seasons and, and she's versatile she has i'm pretty sure she won the jack better be right last year so those are the two logical players and, and they're not going to be anywhere near three to one and seven to two obviously you have to use both of them i'll give you a little bit of a long shot out there if you want one fans and that would be the the bottom gal the 10 curly girl curly girl won our lady finger as a two-year-old and she ran very well in our new york Oaks last year she had a very troubled trip and and came home very strongly with it with a cleaner trip she could have won the new york oaks last year this year she's um she's been good you know she kind of caught us all a little bit off guard on the 22nd of may when she won sprinting she looked good winning the second state bread defeating charge nurse last time out she ran well finishing strongly to gone and forgotten i don't like her pose but if she can secure somewhat of a stocking trip, who knows? If you're looking to try to get away from both the two I mentioned earlier, the two and the three, give Curly Girl a little bit of a look. Maybe she brings a, gets up and it just makes the exotics a little better. And who knows? Maybe she blows it up for us. 
Yeah, it, Venti Valentine, I think, kind of got back on track last time. So, uh, yeah, that 3-1 looks generous off the Saratoga win. We'll see what we get. A fabulous two-year-old. I vote in the New York bred uh, season-ending honors. Um, and, and a couple of years ago, as a, a two-year-old, she was just phenomenal. And then kind of didn't live up to it in the three-year-old season. But last time, maybe seemed to get back on track. Going to be interested to see what she does uh, tomorrow. Uh, up at the Finger Lakes. All right, the eighth. And you know, Seth. You know, Seth. The more I look at it, you know, I mean, I guess the only question mark perhaps could be the two turns. It seems like yeah. all of her good races have been one turn races. So it looks like she's been able to settle nicely in the one turn races, and and perhaps if you go back to her Fleet Indian, you know, maybe that's maybe the two turns isn't her best trip as it, she's gotten a little bit older, and she is over two at the distance, I guess. So, but you know, obviously she has all the credentials. That's a great point. The race two back at Belmont, obviously one turn, and it's Saratoga now. That mile is like a turn and a half. Um, so that's turn a, and a half, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Uh, the eighth uh, tomorrow, the fi eighth and final allowance non-winners of two lifetime. This one, uh, nine furlongs. Again, nice field of ten in here. Nine betting interests, but a field of ten. What did you see in the eighth? Pretty cool race to end the card. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about pretty much two of them there there are others obviously you know you get a field size like this my top pick would probably be the six street cop officer um the horse has really done not much wrong for us since he got here very very troubled trip on the 7th of august probably probably the best in that affair looked good winning on the 22nd of august and the runner-up came back and looked good winning last time out was up kind of against the pace a little bit. The winner got all alone on the lead with a 14 for three quarters. Thought the horse was kind of wheeled back in three consecutive races. Now, once again, I get back to my preaching of spacing. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of giving horses proper spacing. Uh, I hear Ron Ellis in California talk about it all the time. You know, horses run their optimal performances with ample time between starts. And I get it. You know, sometimes you have to run your horses on 15 days, and I'm not totally against it. But when you repeat that pattern, I think you take away from a horse's true uh, true effort. At least this is a little bit closer to the month that I like versus the last three races. The horse has ability. The price is going to be decent. I'll make him my top pick. I thought the four predicted looked good winning on the 18th of September. Unfortunately, he was disqualified. I had some concerns about him running six furlongs, and he easily handled that. He might be even better with the two turns. He, he definitely has Kentucky blood for two turns. Tap it out of a bluegrass cat mare. Is coming back a little quick for my liking, but those would be the two I'd be keying on with more emphasis to the six than the nightcap. I like it. Uh, Tony, we got to get over to France. Their next race is coming up on the art card, but we appreciate the conversation uh, going back to last week, a little preview, a little review of uh, some of the action at Finger Lakes. And uh, as always, we appreciate the visit, and we look forward to uh, having you sit in with us live on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to seeing you, Seth. Been a long time. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. Tony Kalo from the Finger Lakes. Again, a little stakes action tomorrow at the Finger Lakes as well. All right, I'm actually going to wrap it up because I'm, as I'm looking at my top monitor, the pregame with an early post today at, uh, in New York, uh, the pregame has started. So I'm going to wrap it up. We'll go to the uh, race at Longchamp, the Prix de l'Opera, 
and then we'll we'll go to the, the pregame from Naira. Again, there's an early post at Naira today. Don't forget on the card today, it had moved from yesterday intact, but they announced yesterday that the Joe Hirsch will be moved to next week, but they're not replacing that in any way. So that changes up kind of the betting menu based around that race. So just double check as the, the day goes along if you're looking at some of those pick bets and whatnot, given that situation. Um, otherwise, I think you're kind of caught up here. Uh, and, and As I say, I was going to look at some of the Santa Anita action. Uh, Dr. Scheivel got it done in the Santa Anita sprint. No surprise there. Um, slow down Andy over Defunded in the Awesome again. Laneway over Brand in the Eddie D. These were horses we kind of hit on yesterday. Hong Kong Harry uh, got it done. And as I noted, uh, our friend Howard Kravitz was on yesterday. And we had gone over the pick five sequence, which included those stakes with Howard. And we showed the graphic uh, from the, the pick five he had put up uh, on his uh, podcast a couple of nights ago, a few nights back. Uh, and if you followed that, you hit. Uh, I think it was 400 and some dollars. It was a $96 ticket, um, but it paid 400 and something. So nice job there uh, by Howard with the, the pick five yesterday, the pick five sequence at Santa Anita. Appreciate his visit uh, yesterday. All right, uh, again, pre opera coming up. Um, and uh, I thought 369 and 11 were interesting. The th uh, Let me get our... Update our odds. The 12 is actually the favorite. Um, last couple weren't necessarily that promising, but I get where the betting public is going. The, the early, you know, further down the page, uh, this horse has had a had a pretty good streak going. Uh, Blue Rose Sen, but I played around a little bit with the three Al Hussein um, at nine to two. The six Jana Rose at Six to one, the nine Lumiere Rock at uh, eight to one, and the eleven Jackie O at twelve to one. Uh, Aiden O'Brien and Ryan Moore, a little bit of a price there. So I'm three, six, nine, and eleven. If you wanted to throw the uh, uh, third or the twelve in the, the favorite, maybe you could do that uh, as well. But looks like they're off and running. So let's send it to Pre-Opera and then pre Opera and then on to the pregame at Naira. I'll see you a little bit later on for uh, OTB Live. Gap would have been diminished a bit, perhaps, if um, Jackie Ewa got out earlier. But on that run, Lumiere Rock's a big player. Again, drawn handily, tends to race prominently. You think she'd get, get a good position from, from that draw. One we saw in shot there. It's really